Welcome everybody to the Apex Sunday podcast. We're hosted by two petrol heads, myself, John Dowsett, and Rob Ross. And this is the podcast that banters and rambles on about Formula One races, news, and events. John, I think I've discovered what may be the problem with Mercedes recently. There's no money. You can Well, there's that. You could say there's that. But for me, I think it's Toto Wolf. And if you take a look at this video here, <laughs> you'll notice that his mask is below his nose. And if you look uh, at Christian Horner and Zach Brown, they have their nose covered. So it clearly indicates to me that Toto lacks understanding of airflow and aerodynamics. And with Red Bull hiring away his, some of his employees, most particularly his engine development employees, but perhaps some aero employees, <laughs> they may be having some issues with Toto getting in the way. Did you notice that when you watched the race? Uh, yeah, I saw it a couple of times. Right. But only because you'd brought it up before and <laughs> it made me giggle. So there you go. <laughs> what did you think of qualifying? Well, I think the story of qualifying would be Lewis finding his setup just before the qualifying session. So that ensured that the first two rows were Red Bull and Mercedes. Because before that, he wasn't doing too well, was he? No, I, I think he was complaining about Bottas's chassis. <laughs> well, he's actually followed that up with, he says that's a myth that they're different, and this is something that they do fairly often. <laughs> but he could have used that as an excuse, that's for sure. Hmm. The other thing I noticed is Tsunoda losing it again, the third time in qualifying. He is a rookie like Mazepin, and he's doing better in the races than Mazepin, though, of course, he has a much better car. He moved to Italy to be close to the factory, but he's still, do you think he's just overdriving or do you think it's... Uh, he's, I think he's still trying to find his sea legs. I think he's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a tough, tough call and there's a lot of pressure for Yuki, that is. For Mazepin, I think that he should really think about putting in some job applications at Walmart <laughs> and 7-Eleven and I'm not too sure he fits. Right. Well, his father can get him a job and perhaps he can go to another series or something, but we're going to see what happens with him. I think one of the drawbacks that the rookies suffer from these days is there's no testing or very little testing, particularly this year because of the pandemic. I remember Villeneuve, when he started with Williams, before his first race, he had two or 3,000 Ks of tests in the car. That's got to help you out, right? Especially Absolutely. moving up, right? Absolutely. And that track, that track in France, oh my God. Yeah. It's difficult to watch, isn't it? Yeah. It's disorienting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm not the only one. No. No. And Because and... I know we talked about it last week as sort of like, is this the future of tracks? And what I meant by that is I knew there was configurable tracks, but this seems to be ultra configurable. But having said that, and watch the, the qualifying in the race... There were times when it's like, where are they on the circuit? It's it's not an easy circuit to follow remotely. I wonder what it's like. Well, to drive. on top of that, it'd be horrible to drive. There are no mm -hmm. there are no marks. There's there's no tree here or a hill there. That I mean, yeah, I, I would lose. I'm sure that I would have a very difficult time at that track. Right. We saw Alonso get into Q3, which was nice. So he's improving slowly, and you know that's to be expected after being out of the sport for a while. We saw Mick get into Q2, but he crashed out and closed the Q2 session, which 
royally screwed Lance. So he started at the back of the, uh, the grid again. Yeah, part of that is Lance's fault, though. You know, and, and it comes back down to the track limits things. And I know we're kind of beating it to death, but just make the track limits the track limits every corner. Because you have to know that Max was gaining speed on two, corner two, and uh, was never called on it. But people got called out in corner six. If, he, if Max was doing that every, every time he went around the circuit mm-hmm. and going off track limits every time on corner two, you know he was gaining speed. He wouldn't be doing it if he wasn't gaining speed. Yeah. Yeah. It's farcical. Yeah, I think we talked privately about this. I was saying that Jack Miller at MotoGP was asked about this because they're having the same issues with track limits, protests and, you know, is it fair and all that kind of thing. And he brought up what others have brought up. Back in the day, they used to be gravel traps. And so you wouldn't, you wouldn't go there because of the gravel trap. But they eliminated those because of for safety reasons, correct? Mm-hmm. And 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 they eliminated the trees and mm-hmm. the other things that you used to be able to run into right. if you went off the track. And pavement just slows you down faster. Yes. So we're never going to bring back the old ways of doing circuits. So they need to enforce these rules in a clear way, and it's just not clear yet. And I don't quite understand why they're having so much difficulty doing it. Having said that. We didn't hear too much about it this particular race like we did in others, no. which is kind of funny because this seems to be a track limits. This track seems to be inviting you to violate the track limits, right? Because of the very nature of the circuit. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else for you in qualifying? Um, I, I'd never seen a car judder like that as it went into the wall. Right. Initially, I thought it was the the stripes, but... He was off the stripes, so was it the gearbox or something? Or Who knows? I mean, I still don't know actually what happened No, what sent him off. No. So, you know, was it, was it a mechanical failure? Could very well have been. Right. I haven't really followed up on that and haven't heard anything. Well, frankly, I don't really care. You know, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's sort of like Bottas. I think, it's... you know, the sooner they put Russell in Bottas's seat, the, the better mm-hmm. for uh, Mercedes. For Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else in qualifying? Pretty much I think that's it. typical qualifying. Yep, I agree. So let's move on to the race. And what did you think of the race overall? I thought it was a good race. Uh, you know. Yeah. It was an improvement over the last few, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, again, it could use a little bit more dicing. Yeah. But it was interesting seeing that the strategy play out because the strategy in this race was just immense and compared to other races, you know, the undercut was so powerful. It was. That was basically the key story of the race was the two stop for Red Bull and the fact that Bottas and Lewis, but more Bottas, he, he was saying after the race that, well, he was pretty furious. He was pretty salty for change, if you remember on the radio. Yeah. Because he was saying very early on in the race when he was in third and very close to Lewis and Max he said these tires aren't going to work or aren't going to last basically he basically said we're going to have to do two stops but I believe they left him out for Lewis and that's why he suffered for and, that. and I do the same thing yeah 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 and he's in he's already in that position already in this point in the championship this early yeah and he's always been that way so I think he's going to come to accept that or be more salty about it and see if see what happens the next season 
I know that. Will Everybody's be- talking about getting their elbows out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Vahas does that anymore. No. And if you look how easy it was to pass him, it was silly. Yeah. We're, are you speaking about the passes at the end or just yeah. in general? Right. Yeah, actually yeah. in general too. But. I'm not too sure. The passes at the end, I think their tires were completely gone. And I think, well, Lewis has said that there was no point in defending. It was useless. Because I know Nico Rosberg was very upset with both those drivers, both Valtteri and Lewis for their defense. Reminded me of him defending Jensen Button in China a few years ago, where his defense was basically, I'm going to push you right off the circuit very violently, (laughs) and you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, and I think Max drove really well. He sort of did a Lewis type of race where he came in early, maximized everything, and Lewis was sort of a preservation type of race. So we had the two contrasts there. And, you know, it was interesting to see them race each other for a change. But like you say, even though I think that their tires were shot, they didn't have a chance to defend. It's unfortunate that there was no real battle other than the battle of time. Is it just me or does it look like Lewis has sort of lost the flame? I don't think so. I think maybe some people are saying he's not used to the competition. I don't think so. I think it's mostly just the Mercedes team, the team around him, or not all of them, but a few of them are a little bit, you know, they're, they're just a bit indecisive. But he isn't the ornery Lewis of old. Yeah, yeah. There could be mileage to that. Perhaps I'm wrong in that he is quite affected by Max's challenge. It's sort of like he's found God. <laughs> well, I wonder how much, like, Max is still very young. It's always hard to think of Max as a driver that has so many years ahead of him because he's already been in the sport for five years, <laughs> but he's still got a ton of time. And Lewis has been around for a very, very long time. So you and I have some age on us, and we both know that as you age, your priorities and so forth change. But he's still right. like 30-ish or something. So I think he's still got till the end of 2024 in him in this sport. And then we'll see if he moves over to the new engine formula and whatever formula they come up with regarding the race cars at that time. But you think otherwise? You think he's... I don't know. It just seems like he's lost his mojo. I don't know what that's about. And I guess when you put it that way, if you think about Alonso and if you think about Vettel, if you think about the old shoes, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're calmer and they're more laid back and they don't have the same sort of fire in them as the young guys do. So maybe that's what it is. Yes. But is it a switch over? There's a common wisdom that you're young, you don't have much experience, although obviously Max does at this level. And you tend to overdrive, underdrive, make bad decisions and so forth. And then as you're older, you tend to be more optimal and more measured in your driving. I don't know if that's the case with Lewis or not. I mean, it must be to an extent. I think the young guys have an ability to turn up the wick like nobody else. I don't think they have the ability to sustain it, but I think they have the ability to ride that ragged edge a little bit more than the wise old owls that that know better. Right. Well, what do you think of the whole mentality that's been advertised for years about, you know, the winner's mentality, the champion's mentality, the very top people hate to lose at everything. They're, they're childish at card games. They're childish at golf games. You know, they, they can't stand losing. Does that change? Or was Lewis ever like that? He never gave me that impression, at least verbally, whereas others... Like Verstappen does. 
Yeah. Verstappen always has. And, you know, yes, Lewis has done that. Lewis comes in second and he's pouting. Right. Right. You know, not so much this year, but in the past, absolutely. Mm -hmm. The other factor of winning is you have to win to know how to win. Yes. And once you once you've won once, it really does make a difference. It really does. It's it's something under your belt, and now you can just go ahead and do it. Right. Well, I was going to ask you about that in regard to the rookies. Do you remember your first professional race and how you felt on the grid as you're preparing to start the race? Was it a obviously you're excited and all that, but was there nervousness as well? And you know what was going on, or do you remember? Oh, absolutely. I I think that the big heat came the first time I went out on the track and, and it wasn't a race. It was going out in practice. Right. And the lining up for the first time in practice mm -hmm. that stands out in my mind very, very strongly. Right. And, but as far as the race goes, everything turns off. As soon as that flag drops, everything turns off. And I don't think it makes any difference if you're a rookie or you've been there for a long time, you, you have to focus on racing. You don't have a chance to lose your concentration for a millisecond. You lose your concentration for a millisecond. Right. And that's what so, that, right. Well, that sports psychologist we did some work for years ago when he was talking about the particular F1 driver, well, actually drivers, he told us about a few. I won't say who they were, but they were both winners and champions, one a multiple, multiple champion. And his... They hired him for concentration and focus. That was their chief reason. Yeah. So I guess if you lose your focus for a tenth, there's some danger possibly depending on where you are on the circuit. Have you ever lost focus or been distracted or something on the, on the circuit that you can recall or, or not? No, I don't think I have. Okay. I, I, I don't think I have. Uh, honestly, I, I know that might sound a little bit over the top, but it's pretty hard to do that. And there are times to do things, you know, when you're hammering up a, a, a straight, that's when you can, you know, look at gauges and you can mm -hmm. measure what sound, listen to more closely to sounds and take in other things and observe where your competitors are on the track in a more meaningful way. Yeah. I didn't have the concentration level that those racers have in Formula One that seem to be able to carry on a conversation while they're going around a corner at 4Gs. Right. Yeah. And there's all the steering wheel with the 20 buttons or more and all the management and so forth. There's a lot, you have to appreciate a lot's going on in the mind of a racer while he's in a race. Like a hell of a lot of stuff is going on. That's why they're in Formula One, obviously. But it's, you know, that kind of thing does kind of fascinate me because the, in MotoGP, they talk about confidence all the time. I, I lost my confidence in the bike. I don't hear that too much in Formula One other than you know, this car can't go through this corner very well, that kind of thing. How do you think that some of these guys lose confidence in themselves from time to time? And perhaps if Lewis doesn't even know, realize it, perhaps, you know, this level of competition is affecting him subconsciously in a way, or is that just, you know, a couple of guys trying to make up a story? <laughs> Not at all. I think we're seeing that with Danny Ricardo. I think we're seeing it with Sebastian Vettel, I think Sebastian Vettel is getting over his problem that he had mm -hmm. because he was definitely, he definitely lost the plot. I think he's coming back. Yeah, he's, he's way improved from last season, isn't he? In, in a worse car. And Alonso, he's a very hard read. Mm -hmm. He's a very hard read. But I think you have to get comfortable with the car. And if you can't get comfortable with the car, my God, what a horrible, horrible task they have ahead of them. Yeah, and that's what confidence means. Like, 
when the uh, driver and a rider says they lack confidence in their vehicle, that just means they don't, it won't be going to where they want it to go. It won't behave the way they, they need it to behave. Do you think? But I can't think about it. I, in my brain, I don't want to think about it. I, I remember, right. I remember when I first started ski racing and I changed bindings and I had, uh, I went from marker to Solomon for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. My binding released on me more than once going down a racetrack, going down a, a GS course. When your ski blows off and you're going down a course, you're scuppered and you're done. But that's not the bad part. The bad part is the next yep. race when you line up in the starting gate and you're actually wondering if your bindings are going to hold on. And, right. then, and you actually think about it when you're turning around the gates. That's just wrong. <laughs> How can you do your job if it's like that? And it's the same thing in car racing. If you can't right. be confident in your car. And I think that's Danny's issue, Danny Ricardo's issue with his car. The other thing is these people are human, obviously. I mean, it sounds stupid to say that, but very often you have people hold other people to such incredible standards. Like, well, what do you mean? Danny's a professional. He shouldn't suffer from a lack of confidence in car. He should just instantly be able to do it or not take too much time. But the fact is, these are very complicated cars. And like we said earlier, people have said it's like changing another category when you go to another car. And we just can't appreciate that because we're never going to experience that. No, no. The thing for me is I would absolutely adore to even be a passenger in one of those two-seater F1 cars just to experience, you know, the late braking and the G-forces and how fast Mm -hmm. they go into a corner. Yeah. I remember you telling me you've done some track days for corporate clients and most of them crap their pants. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a whole new realm. I mean, it, the problem is, is it's a car. And so you think it's a car and you have no idea that a car is capable of such crazy things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. I remember you taking me around in your MR2 and I was a little tense, but I never screamed or anything. <laughs> you came pretty close to a couple of cars a couple of times. So you, you didn't think you were going to die? Thought... Oh no, nothing like that. Nothing like that. I thought we might have a bit of a bender or something possibly but not nothing too much but you know <laughs> that's not an f1 car not an f1 circuit <laughs> no right so <laughs> very twitchy car and then oh the mr2 yeah yeah what is the best handling car you've driven outside of your suzuki swift as a race car mm. or was that i think the most challenging and the most rewarding was a, a, my lotus europa ah just because the balance was so insanely critical. It was such a light, light car. Mm-hmm. And throttle was everything. Yeah. You know, get off the gas, not smoothly, you're done. Right. And I remember sitting in that car, and that's easily the lowest I've been in a, a road car ever. Like, it was such a low car. I think it came up to my, my waist, I stood beside it. Something like that, right? It was pretty low. I don't know if it was quite that high. Oh, yeah, even lower. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So other than that particular main strategy, I did read that Alonzo was asked to move aside for Ocon because they're on different tire strategies. But at that time, Alonzo was suffering already, so he said, I'm just going to come in. And that worked out for both of those drivers in the long run. And that sort of is a, a contrast to what happened to Bottas. Could Valtteri have just said, I'm coming in? Or even if they said no, 
if you show up in the pits, they have to do something. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, is it a sign of respect for Alonzo and a lack of respect for Valtteri for Mercedes and Alpine respects Alonzo? Or it's just Mercedes or they seem a little bit frozen about what to do with strategy. And traditionally, they're not like that. So that's a bit different because as Crofty screamed over and over again, it's the reverse of what happened in Barcelona, where Mercedes outdid Red Bull with the two-stop strategy. But they're going to have to be very careful, Mercedes. They have to, they can't make mistakes. Max is going to make them pay this year. They can't, they don't have a, a margin of error anymore. And that's the main difference, I think. And they don't have party mode. And mm. I was expecting that this race that we were going to see them close the gap a little bit. We're going to see Mercedes show their colors a little bit more. Right. With the, the rules on the flexi wing. Yeah, that did nothing, right? And it did <laughs> nothing. Yeah. No surprise there. That's often the case with, with these kind of things. Yes. And there were a lot of passes in the race. Unfortunately, they showed a couple in the stack at the side. I still don't understand why they do that. That'll pass Alonzo in the stack. Crofty talked about it. And I'm thinking, where, where is this? Oh, it's that little, little cube at the side. <laughs> Where they showed that. Yeah. But we had Verstappen made a mistake in turn two, but recovered pretty quickly. Vettel over Ocon, McLaren. Both McLarens passed Alonso on lap 11. That's when Alonso said, I should probably come in. We didn't see Ricardo pass Leclerc. There were a whole bunch of other passes. I won't go through all of them, but there were passes throughout the race. There wasn't sort of passes at the beginning, a couple passes at the end. It was just consistent. And for the most part, I thought they showed most of them fairly well and covered the race. So I definitely it was a better race for sure. Do you have a driver of the race? I'm going to say Max. I just think he optimized everything and he took that win. What about you? I like science. I like mm -hmm. how Carlos pipped Chaz Leclerc. And Charlie's no slouch. So for Carlos to beat him, I think that was impressive. And I also like Lando. Yep. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got a... He's back. He was back there. But I think some of, some of the back markers had a great drive. Oh, yeah. He finished, Lando finished fifth. But that's the point again. The first four were finished within 14 seconds. Then fifth place was 64 seconds back. <laughs> and then they lapped everyone up to science. Yeah, we had Daniel, Pierre, Fernando, and Sebastian finish within four seconds of each other's. And that's where there was a fair amount of dicing as well. I think you have to, like I said, and I, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's looking at the drivers that, how they're doing against their teammates. And that's another reason why Mazepin just, you know, needs to find a door. I think uh, it's the same with a few drivers. Yeah. Mick beat Mazepin again, even though he didn't qualify. <laughs> or actually, sorry, he did, didn't he? It was uh, Sunida who didn't qualify. But there are both laps. I can't see a margin there. No, and, and I don't see the margin between the two Williams either. Mm -hmm. I really want to see George Russell in a, in, a, in a real car. He came close to the points again. He looks like he's a very, very, very good driver. And he looked great in the Mercedes last year for that one race. Love to see him too. And I'm pretty confident that's going to happen. Now, the issue with that though is, are Mercedes worried about a Lewis Nico type of situation again. Was that just a nightmare for them and they're just trying to avoid that? And that's why Valtteri may well be a Mercedes driver next year. I don't think they need to worry about that. They've been through it. Unless they change their management, I think that they've been through it and they can 
control that whole situation. Uh, I, maybe I'm dreaming, but... Well, plus they can't risk losing Russell. Like They just can't risk it. Lewis is still great, but his years are less than Russell's years. If Russell is very, very good, Mercedes can't lose him. They've already lost Ocon to Alpine because he, or Alpine, I'm sorry, he signed a three-year contract. We'll get into that in news. But they can't lose him. I think it would be a massive, massive mistake not to sign Russell next year. Were you expecting red flags during the race? No, I wasn't. Or any safety cars? Cause it, because it was a pretty clean race, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it, that didn't even cross my mind, which is you know, a nice difference from the last couple of races we've had. How would you rate the race? Uh, probably about a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I, exactly. It actually kept me. me awake. Yep. I gave the first race of this season a 7, and I'm going to give this one a 7 as well. It was good. Right, so let's move on to news. Fantastic. And I don't have too much news this week. We have something I found very amusing. Williams' Josh Capito says, Williams is becoming a team drivers want to go to. Marketing, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's true that it's better finance now. But if they don't improve with the new formula, drivers will not be looking at Williams. So it depends on what happens next season and probably the season afterwards. It is their opportunity, though, to improve, isn't it? They, they really should, and they probably have to. How long does it take to get a team up and going, though? Don't know. I mean... Can it actually happen? Right. Look at Renault. Yeah. Uh, Renault's been around for a while now, and they're still not up the, the pointy bit. Yeah. So I would like to see them come back to the glory days, I but I don't know if they have the ability to do that. It's just so tough. Maybe it's the new formula. Maybe it'll all start coming through in the new formula. And then there's got to be stagnation under Frank and Claire that's now gone. Yeah. Who do you think they... I have no idea who Williams would sign in place of Russell, other than maybe Bottas. <laughs> Welcome them back to Williams. You know what? Mm -hmm. There are some great young guys in F2, F3 that would love to have a seat. And I think that's the, the wave of the future. Yep. It's worked very well with Lewis. Lewis started when he was yep. still wearing diapers pretty much. And Max, Max started when he was, he still didn't have a, a road license for heaven's sakes. And he was racing an F1 car. Mm -hmm. That's the way to start him. And if you want to get the, the old guys back in, they don't seem to be able to get it going again. I think Danny might've I feel sorry for Danny. I think maybe that the shuffle from team to team to team has taken its toll. And Kimmy's just gone. I, I don't know what happened this year. <laughs> Kimmy's just gone. Last year, you know, he was toasting Giovinazzi regularly. And I think he's just having fun driving around the circuit. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, he, like we talked about early, earlier, his frame of mind must be very different than it was five years ago or whatever it was, right? So we had Ocon... Signed by Alpine for the next three seasons. Clearly, he's not going to go back to Mercedes anytime soon. And that's 22, 23, 24. So that's through the, the new formula. And the currently, the engine rules are frozen from next year for the next three years, I believe. We'll have to verify that. Because that's how Red Bull got their ability to take the Honda engine over. But requires a little more research or some nuances there. But we both are big fans of Ocon, so I think it's a great signing. I don't. I, you know, I, you don't? I, no, I think he's got such great potential. And locking him into a team for three years, I guess he's a young guy, so 
you know, you can leave him there for three years. But he has to consistently show that he's going to slaughter any teammate that mm-hmm. comes uh, into the into the stable. Yep. He's doing that right now with Alonso, but that's not making a huge statement because Alonso Alonso's been gone for a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's just not many options, though. That's the problem. Like, where else would he go if Mercedes takes Russell? You know, I don't think he has very many options. And as we said earlier, the revised wing test didn't seem to do anything. Do you have anything else in news you'd like to discuss? I don't think so. I don't think that there was anything burning other than I'm wondering what these guys are going to do over the next three races back to back. It's going to be a little bit, it's going to be a heavy. <laughs> yeah, we've got two races in Austria next. So we have two races in the same circuit. And then is that the Red Bull track? Yeah, yeah, the Red Bull Ring, and then it's Great Britain. Right. Two races, the same place, so travel costs are down for that, and you know all that kind of stuff. And then England, where I'm sure Lewis would love to win. Well, he'd love to win everywhere, but particularly in his home race. Yes. The Austrian track is a very, very short circuit with very little turns, so. It'd be interesting to see what, what the cars can do there. Yes. There, I think DRS will be pretty strong there. It's an old track, though. It is. Old, but they're, they're not racing on the long version anymore, obviously. It used to be the Ostreichring from, what, 1969, I think, or older even, 1963. Yes. I don't think we'll ever see those kind of circuits again, at least in our lifetime, depending on things change. Like the Nürburgring and the Aust- you know, these huge 11-kilometer, 12-kilometer circuits. Do you think we'll ever see that again? Or oh, yeah, just- but not in Formula <laughs> 1. Yeah? That's what I mean, in Formula 1. No, yeah. no. And, and I think that I really still enjoy watching races on those big tracks in Australia. They have the, the V8 touring cars hammering around Bathurst, and Bathurst is just a beautiful track. There are lots of great old tracks out there that are still in heavy use. Right. They're just not suitable for F1 cars, right? Runoff area. I question that. You know, I think that, I think that if you can uh, run the Le Mans prototype cars around Mosport, you can run a Formula One car around Mosport. Mm -hmm. And when Alonso looked at Mosport, he, he said it'd be a blast in a Formula One car. Oh yeah. I think that there are too many factors involved. I think it's more than safety. I think there's marketing. There's yes. uh, who's going to pay for it. Yes, yes. And you saw some people at this race. It was kind of funny. There'd be like an empty grandstand and a totally packed one. I thought, shouldn't they just be spreading them out a bit more? You have to know that the gate is huge. Uh, you know, I don't know how many people were at uh, the last Canadian Grand Prix but I'll guarantee you what it does for Montreal is huge. All right, well, that's it for this particular race, and we'll talk about Austria next next week. All right, talk to you later. Bye.